Telus Storyhive-funded project Solus is now out for viewing. Follow the story of Zara, her brother Conroy, and her neighbor Jin through an attack that leaves stones unturned. This sci-fi drama with a touch of aliens was created out of Lethbridge in an attempt to bring more film to southern Alberta. You can check out the film through Storyhive's website, tell us video on demand, or better yet, go to gillproductions.ca, that's G-I-L-L productions.ca, to watch the films and view behind-the-scenes images. Uh, Arjan was on the show uh, recently, and uh, we uh, wanted to make sure that you got to see his production, so check it out uh, over at gillproductions.ca. IATSE Local 212 represents over 1,000 artists, technicians, and craftspeople working in Southern Alberta's entertainment industry. In the screen industry, they service projects with budgets ranging from $100,000 to $100 million. Recent increases to local production volumes have led to increased outreach and training. They promote respectful workplaces, safety, fairness, and first-rate benefits for their members. Local 212 is open to partnering with other industry stakeholders on training and marketing initiatives. They offer an informative set etiquette course each month, which is open to all. To learn more about them, please check out their website at iatse212.com or like and follow them on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Happy podcasting! Hello. What is this? We're podcasting. Where are we? We are back. How long has it been? Dude, it's... Well, I think it's been four or five weeks, yeah, maybe yeah, six now. Yeah. We're sorry we left you, <sighs> but we were, we're busy. We yeah, we're still busy. We, we were we were talking about offloading, you know, the recording yeah, and, the, and yeah, the editing yeah. to, to Seth and Briar, and then we just got even too busy to ask for help if, to ask <laughs> and to train too, right? Like there's a, yeah. there's stuff that needs to be taught, and even that can be if you don't manage your time beforehand, it can be a time consuming thing, right? Uh, when you just don't have the time. So anyway, we apologize. Um, and we're actually recording from the set of a different production called paper champions. We're on set right now. Right. Which is um, why we're talking a little bit in hushed yes, voices. Yes, there's rolling happening nearby somewhere. Um, ruining take after take. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, totally. Oh, actually we have a radio here that I should turn off. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, um, so hello and welcome to the Alberta filmmakers podcast. Yes. I'm Scott Westby. And I am Matt Waterworth. And we are part of a company called Full Swing Productions. And uh, we put on this podcast, in, you know, with a mission to connect Alberta's film community. And, you know, filmmakers to us doesn't just mean, uh, you know, producers or directors. Um, it means makeup artists and it means grips and it means entertainment lawyers. Absolutely. Um, yeah, you're right. This is a good time to make that a yeah. reminder after sort of a little break. Um, it has been, uh, yeah, it's it's important yeah. to remember that um, those people are uh, just as important, like like getting a permit. You know, Jolene at the permit office in yeah. Calgary here. We should have her on. We should. Uh, I was, I was, I spent a lot of my time with um, Bronwyn Joe, who's a script super uh, on our set. And I was like, we haven't had a script super on. Yeah, yeah. We should have it. We should of have it. There's like, there's tons of, I mean, yeah. fuck, there's too many people. There's too many people to have on, but well, we will get them all. It's a good sign <laughs> because I got to tell you, even like, even just shooting paper champions here, we're finding new people, new companies, new people. Oh, I could rent this from my buddy who has a bunch of gear. Yeah. There's just a lot of people in our community and it might seem small, but um, we'll find, we'll find you all. We will. And we'll have you and on we'll our record podcast. your voice. <laughs> so Scott, uh, since last we spoke, yes, uh, you have accomplished a, a great goal. Yes. And I'd love to hear what it was like to direct your first feature film. Um, it was the opposite of producing a feature film. <laughs> yeah. Um, producing is the worst job. 
and directing is the best job. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I don't know, man, it was like, uh, it was kind of like a dream. I, 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 yes, I mean a dream come true for sure, but it just kind of felt not real. Like I, I think, you know, I, you know this, that uh, we've been able to work on this project for a year and a half since we got our first development yeah. grant yeah. from the film center, from the project lab. And uh, so I was fucking prepped, man. Like I, I'd, you know, Kevin and I had had hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of conversation about the story. And I, I was blessed with the time beforehand to really dig into this. Thing. And that's your style to, to come in with your homework done always, which you did, which I did. Yeah. yeah. And, and it, so like, it wasn't really all that stressful. Cool. And, um, so that just straight up, like, it wasn't like I had to throw my plan out the window. It was, no. it was like, no, I stuck to the, plan. I stuck to the plan. Yeah. But I mean, you know, I'd learned so much from, from you and from seeing a micro budget film made before and just like, okay, I get three kind of angles right. for a scene. Right. Right. Or four, maybe right. I think, I think one of them had like eight, Right. And that was a big one, right? you know, with the exception of like the climax or the opening scene where you wanted to have that kind of production value thing. It's like, okay, how do I cover this scene with no shots? Right. Um, and you know, that'll show and that's fine. You know, it is what it is. Um, it's part of the micro budget world, but so, you know, I had a lot, I had a lot of knowledge going in that I, I think a, a brand new first time feature film director wouldn't have right. the benefit of. Gotcha. So yeah, I mean, it was super fun. We had, we had an incredible cast, um, easily the best actors that I've worked with. Um, and, and I, I got the same kind of notes from a lot of people on the crew that were saying that these were some of the best actors they'd ever seen performing. Um, and our crew was incredible. Yeah. You know, they worked so quickly and efficiently and, and everyone was happy and we were having a great time. Um, I only had one freak out and that was when we were shooting a a big shootout scene and it started raining halfway through and Mm. like pissing rain, like really raining. Yeah. And I was just standing there huddled under a a building being like, what the fuck do I do? Like, what do we do if we can't finish this pivotal scene in the movie? And it's, it's so, it's so, it's so funny to be on the other side of that because that was for me, that was the snow blizzard on, on in plain view. And I was like, I would, I just looked out at it and I was like, like helplessness, right? Yeah, it's absolute. You you have a team of, of talented people. You've got trucks, you've got lights and cameras. Everything is come together. But no, you don't. Mother nature will remind you that she's in charge. For sure. Absolutely. And and you don't have the money to, to fix this, to go back and and wait and shoot it again later. So luckily the rain stopped. Um, and that's where I got to give credit to Nick Thomas, Mm -hmm. who was our cinematographer. He's an incredible person, uh, a great collaborator. And, we knew we had like a window of maybe an hour right. <laughs> to shoot the second half of this whole scene. Right. And it was like, fuck man. It was like, I was in high school again. It was like, put the camera here, roll and go. Okay. <laughs> now put the camera here, roll and go. Sometimes we just held the roll and we just shot it yeah. from three different angles. Yeah. And you know, he's, what I love most about Nick is not, not how great his work is, but how, how much he's like amenable to that. Right. To being like, it's better to have something than nothing, but right. you know, a, a halfly well lit thing. Right. So right. he would just roll the camera and like we, at that point we were not thinking about lighting. Yes. We were thinking about composition, but it was like, it doesn't have to be perfect right now. It has to exist. Right. So right. we shot, you know, a half day's worth of stuff in like an hour. Right. Um, Fuck, wow. and you just don't, you don't get DPs who are willing to do that. Right. Right. And it's right. an interesting, it's an interesting, uh, it's something that I'm only really learning. I think in the last two or three years is that, yeah, everybody's down to to be involved for cheap and sure. and and you know maybe donate some gear and and be you know 
just because they, for the love of it. But on the other side of that, it, everyone has to put their name on this. Right. Exactly. So at a certain point you can only cut so many corners before right. somebody's like, well, I don't, I don't want, you know, I don't want people to know I made this shot. Yeah, if, Cause if, I, I have to make excuses <laughs> for it. Which makes right? total sense. Absolutely. For sure. Um, so, so you get into that gray zone, especially when there's time and money and yeah. like everything is crunching you. Um, and, and it's, I think, you know, I think it's to people's credit that they're, they're willing to, and Nick especially to, yeah. to like, you know, yeah, I would like to spend 20 minutes lighting this properly, but I'm going to go because the movie has to get done. Right. Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, and he, he was great. And just knowing that we're, we were going to have no time to make this movie. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's an ambitious movie to shoot for our budget and absolutely within absolutely. a 15 day window. Absolutely. Like it should not, I honestly, looking back, I don't know how we did it. Yeah. And a lot of that is to Nick's credit who knew like, we're going to have to move so fast. So his lighting kit was, you know, small, um, with, you know, really great single, you know, these quasar tubes, which I I want now these bulbs that you can just kind of place anywhere. And and I know they're so cool. So he got a great, great look out of it and then he was and able to move quickly and look yeah as as like because because quasar is kind of new it's like it's kind of totally a new, new. Company. yeah I, I i was shopping i, I was yeah. shopping actually for our stuff yeah nice um, a little bit sweet after the fact but um yeah and like just and his his ability to um remember and stick to a a visual vision that i had kind of laid out mm. which i wasn't expecting you know i had color palettes for characters and right. i had you know i had a specific kind of film stock that i wanted to emulate and i i had all these ideas for a look before we even brought nick on board and then he and i chatted and we kind of we kind of dialed it in a little bit um and then just there were there were times where he would like have a scene lit for a character that that was in you know purples and blues and, and that's just amazing. It right, wasn't like some, right. some cinematographers are like, okay, what is the space and how am I going to make it look at it? Right. It's best. Right. Um, but he didn't do that. He totally lit with character in mind. Um, Which is one of the first things that would get cut, right? When it's like, well, agree. Time, we it's, got no time. We got no money. Got, I'm just going to light it. So, yeah, I'll so light it, it so it good. looks good and then yeah. we'll shoot it. But yeah, so even the look of this movie has so much character. Um, and that's our cool. cast, you know, our cast was such a unique collection of characters that, you know, even if the movie's garbage, you, you won't, you, that'll be only my fault. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. Like I hear everyone you. else I mean, that's, killed and that's, it. And that's what it is really. I mean, it's like, like, you know, we'll, we'll see what reactions are for in plain view, but, but you know, I, I can have fucked up as much as I want, but you can't deny that you got a talented actor, a talented right. cast, yeah, talented, exactly. talented, fully, crew, you know, yeah. crew, a talented DP, like, like you can only fail so hard as a director <laughs> when you have so much talent in those, in those rest of those worlds. So, and it is a little comforting to know that if, if Jones and is bad, it will be my fault, <laughs> like only my fault. Like <laughs> right, I can't right. blame anybody right? because we had a great crew. We had a great cast. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be the first to apologize. Well, yeah, now we have to, uh, head into post-production. Um, right which is a, a journey of, of its own and, and a weird one. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. A long one, a new one for us. Yeah. Um, but we'll talk about that as the weeks drag on, I'm sure. Um, yeah, cool. Uh, I'm just seeing here that, uh, Cineplex is adding more immersive cinemas across Canada. Scott. That's so interesting. Yeah. You mean they're expanding their premium experience offering? What exactly is it? 4d, 4d plex, 13 new 40 X. Um, for oh, 40 it's immersive so it has special effects such as motion synchronized seats which we know is d-box right we have that but they also have wind mist wind, snow, mist, snow and, scent. and scent wow this it's actually happening uh, i guess it's already been happening of course in uh, in la i know i hate i mean i hate these rides so much the rides <laughs> that do this that yeah like yeah. Uh, you know, like uh, bugs, like the, there's like a Bugs Life one in Disney World. Well, I, I just, I just hate that ride, it's like, man. It's like D-Box. I feel like if it's done properly, 
it can be very cool. but you just know you're just waiting for that bad smell <laughs> oh for sure like, like the character's gonna fart and you're like <laughs> oh, fuck like i just hate that stuff so uh, it's so it's like i don't know i find it absolutely way too invasive hmm. interesting but i will try this of course <laughs> i will try it yeah. um speaking of which we finally have vip cinemas here in calgary edmonton's had it for it feels like eight years yeah, i know ours tried to burn down but we wouldn't let it <laughs> we wouldn't let it i haven't tried it yet have you been to it no i haven't been no. to it yet right. um i was just down in Seton yesterday uh returning some paintings from the lovely mandy stobo for jones oh my god she was uh, so generous yeah um, and those paintings look amazing they're great yeah. yeah uh and uh i saw the theater i'm like i gotta go I gotta go there although i assume it's the same experience as edmonton which is too bad because uh it's not new but this will be new for four four d's 4DX. 4DX. So do we know if there are any coming to... Okay, Calgary Scotiabank Theatre Chinook will be the first location to begin construction on a 4DX auditorium. Additional markets will be announced in the coming months. Okay, cool. Very cool. Awesome. Uh, and the um, the Alberta post-production grant that was kind of a test project yes, yeah. last year, or two years ago, last year, um, and we actually tapped into for in Plainview, is, yeah. is a permanent thing now. So huge, this is a big, one. this is a big win for um, the Alberta Post-Production Association. Um, they were, they fought really, really hard to, to create a grant that, that helps make our post-production spaces uh, more competitive uh, right. internationally and, and nationally and um, something that didn't really exist before. So it, we ended up seeing a lot of um, service productions come here and shoot here and then take their post somewhere else. Right. So hopefully this uh, this makes those companies a little bit more competitive and more attractive to uh, everybody, including um, local uh, filmmakers as well. This is true. So um, Ricardo Miranda has committed $1.25 million in new funding for the post-production visual effects and digital animation grant. Um, applications are now open. Wow. Um, and, and I think the, the deal with this is that you have to be a post-production company to tap into this grant. Oh, okay. Yeah, and it, um, I might be wrong about that, but that's at least what it used to be. Um, I actually went through the guidelines, and I have some questions still. And I mean, you know, okay, maybe well, maybe we can, we'll yeah do a little. We should try to have someone on the on the show from from the media fund, but that's good, uh, yeah. but I'm curious about how it interacts with the SPG because you can already get you know thirty percent back on your post labor using the SPG, right? 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 So, so presumably stack, that would be the right. route to go, right? Like, except you, so, but but you're not the one applying for this one, right? right? It's right. the post companies right. who think. are applying for up to two hundred thousand dollars in funding, which is a portion of the work that they're doing, right? Um, okay. So yeah, I, yeah, I haven't, I, I, I didn't really see that in the guidelines, but that is how we used it with in plain view, right? right yeah. So yeah. all right, well, but we'll it have to learn more now. about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Risa Faruqi has stepped down over at CSIF um, as the programming and communications director. Um, and uh, I just wanted to say I worked very closely with her often and she was fantastic. She and, was fantastic. Uh, yeah. It's definitely a loss uh, for our community, um, but she uh, is moving on to bigger and better things. And uh, yeah, we, yeah, she, we just both wanted to thank her. For, <laughs> I, uh, I called, I called her um, like an hour before we were told about it. And then I called her immediately afterwards and I was like, I don't know. I don't. And she was telling me about this, this job offer that she got and it was sounded absolutely yeah. incredible. Yeah. Um, and, and I was like, well, you, yes, you made the right choice. Of course, of course. So yeah, really excited for her. Um, and we'll be, the CSAF will be announcing a new person in that position uh, very, very soon. Yes. So yeah, look out for that. Um, Red Deer College has announced uh, a new creative arts program. Uh, so this is, we, we talked about a little bit about this, uh, who knows how long ago. Um, but it's a four year bachelor of applied arts in film theater and live entertainment. Um, and that will start in September, 2019. Mm. 
Uh, it's the second new degree in the Creative Arts 2020 project following, oh, sorry, this is the following the announcement of the Animation and Visual Effects degree, which is what we were talking about earlier. Oh, cool. So applications for the fall 2019 semester are open right now. Sweet. So if post-secondary film education is something that you have been uh, interested in, this is absolutely uh, something very exciting that uh, I am right now very excited about. <laughs> mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. And RDC is a great, uh, great institution with, with excellent uh, facility and, and faculty and, and everyone. So cool. definitely something to check out. Uh, Nomadic Pictures is going to be producing a Netflix series called The Island. Is it a series or is it a... Uh, yeah, it's a new adventure, a sci-fi adventure oh, cool, series. Cool. Uh, that's I Dash Land mm. for Netflix. That's uh, very exciting, uh, and congratulations. Um, I I do wonder if it's going to shoot in Alberta though, uh, because I know they've been shooting some of the. Yeah, I, w- I would doubt it, but um, yeah, it's still great. Yeah, fantastic great news, yeah. and I'm just finding out about it, so that's very exciting. Uh, and there are changes coming to the uh, screen-based production grant. Yes, we don't know what they are yet. But um, in anticipation of announcing those changes, they have pushed out the, the application date, which originally opened on October 1st and will now be opening on November 1st. And they're hoping to get out uh, the revisions to the guidelines before that time. So we'll keep you up to date as those guidelines come through. Lots of news. Wow. Because God. We're, uh, we've, yeah, we've we, been uh, yeah. absent for a while. So there you go. There's your, there's your latest. There's the big news. highlights. Um, we're going to have a bunch of uh, great dates and deadlines in a moment after our wonderful conversation with Rue Jones. Yeah, which starts with the, the nerdiest <laughs> geek out. Like, <laughs> yeah, we laugh. just listened to the beginning of it. We're, we're just like, like the biggest. Hey, Skype's cool. Yeah, so uh, uh, we're, yeah, we're nerds. We know that. Um, <laughs> and just move past it. And we're off another uh, another Skype. I wonder how the quality is because we always kind of have to say uh, um, I have to turn off my phone. Silent, but we always have to say, "Oh, this is a Skype call, you know, recorded." So I don't know how the quality is going to be. But now we have uh, Skype has added recording to uh, uh, to their you know native functionality, and that like podcasters everywhere rejoice. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> just so, uh, so Andrew, or what do you go by? Tell us who you are and, and all about yourself. Sure. Yeah. Well, I do all my film work under Rue Jones, right. um, it, which is honestly, it started surely as a function of I went to put my first kind of project that I wanted to put on IMDb on IMDb, and I think I came out as number Andrew or Andrew Jones number like eighty seven or something. <laughs> I was like. That does not feel like a good way to build a career. So <laughs> I had to uh, get a little creative with it. So it, all the film stuff goes under Rue Jones, typically. That's cool. Yeah. Fair enough. I, I think that's smart, actually. Well, so uh, tell us, firstly, like, like what made you get into into the film world in the first place? Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was always, you know, even as a kid, like if any of my friends, we didn't have a video camera because not everyone had one back in those days. Um, but if I ever went to a friend's house and they had one, that's all I wanted to do is, oh, man, this is so cool. We can like make a little movie. And then from there, um, when I went to college, I actually did theater work mostly. Well, I started doing more film work in high school and stuff, but just in video class in school and, and with my youth group and stuff like that. And then, um, yeah, then I went to college, took theater, and then I came back. I ran like a family theater program with um, a bunch of volunteers, and we did the um, 
yeah, we ran for seven, seven seasons. We ran a monthly theater program for families. And then, um, as that was kind of winding up, I started working more fully in the music industry with, um, kind of film on the side of it. But, um, you know, as time went on and as I got the chance to like actually direct things and that sort of thing, kind of film took, took the focus. And now that's, uh, what I'm doing all the time. Nice. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so when you, you know, sorry, oh, no, 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 okay. <laughs> I was just going to bring up uh, Grand Prairie, um, you know, because this is the Alberta Filmmakers Podcast, but we do not the best job of sort of shining a light on some of the non Edmonton or non Calgary areas, but there are really some bustling communities outside of uh, those towns. Um, so I was just curious if you could kind of give us a crash course on what the community is like there. Sure. Um, you know, the Grand Prairie film community has really been growing over the last few years. There's there's a few of us who have production companies, and that's all we're doing now. Um, and then also, you know, a lot of that has come in conjunction with um, kind of chicken egg situation, I suppose, but with the organization of Prima, which I'm on the board of now, um, but some other guys started and the, it's the uh, Peace Region Media Arts Association or Independent awesome. Media Arts Association. So we do, you know, similar work to um, ZSIF or FAVA or those kind of things, but we're up in Grand Prairie. So we do lots of training opportunities and we do two 48-hour challenges a year and things of that, which has been really great just to see the community grow and people get involved. And, um, you know, we keep having lots of youth teams, which is great because, and then some of those kids end up starting to come out and work on sets with us. And so it's been really good. Cool. Yeah. Cool. It's been an exciting, exciting time to, to be up here and, and making films. So, so tell us what that means to you, making films. Like, tell us how that, what that journey has been like for you, and, and kind of where, like, how what what you started with, and where you're going now. Sure. The first thing I kind of feel like the first thing I really started on was actually a uh, music video um, that I shot because, like I said, I was working in the music industry and probably a little more focused on the music industry and then shooting weddings on the side and whatnot in the beginning. And um, but then tell us before Story Hive got started, they partnered with another um, organization called Public Record, and they did some music videos. And uh, I won a grant for one of my bands, Tasman Jude, to shoot a music video. So I did that, and um, that was the first time I got out from behind the camera when I was directing. You know, I wasn't filming and directing. I was actually just able to kind of step back and keep my eye on the vision of the thing. Right, cool. Correct. Nice. Um, and I just loved that so much that that kind of started me on a new journey a little bit of uh, falling in love with directing and producing and filmmaking. So, um, yeah, started with that music video, did a bunch more music videos. Um, I, I have Telus to thank for a lot of the big steps forward in my career, to be 100% honest, uh, because then we did a short film with Story Hive. Um, a little while later, which was called Finding Fairies. And um, that was, was a really great experience. What was that all about? What was that all about? Yeah, that one is about, it's about a little girl who uh, discovers the tooth fairy and then she kind of follows, she follows a rabbit out of her door and ends up in a magical forest and finds her brother there and sees how the tooth fairy makes her money and 
Yeah, it's oh, it's, cool. a, it's a fun little <laughs> um, fun little kids film, and it was really fun because I got to do it with my family. Like my uh, my daughter is the lead, and then my other daughter and my son are also in it, and my wife. So it was wow. kind of fun. Um, <laughs> we all got in there, and uh, yeah, my wife and I co-wrote that. We do most of our writing together because she's a much better writer than I am. So. Um, and then uh that's kind of yeah that's where that went so we did the that and then lately we've been um because of that we've been kind of focusing on family content and that sort of thing um also because it's just like as i've kind of alluded to already we have a pile of kids so it's it's surprisingly difficult these days to find stuff that you can kind of sit down and watch with everyone um but that's something we really value you know being able to order order a pizza and watch a movie all together as a family and that sort of thing so um that's the kind of content we've been focusing on. And then, so that's kind of where Afterlight came from too, is, is working on those kind of stories. And when the uh, Story Hive 100K edition came up, we applied and that's that. That's that. What do you mean that's that? How was that a whole thing? How was that a <laughs> process? Um, it was, uh, it was a good application process. I mean, it, it was certainly more intense than most story hive things. Like we had to put together essentially what amounted to a show Bible. Um, and we had to incorporate and in different things like that just cause it's a larger chunk of money. Um, but, uh, it was, it was a really great process for us. Um, and, uh, we had to shoot really quick because I think, you know, a lot of the Telus folks are based in Vancouver and whatnot. So the, uh, you know, when we were going to shoot something that wasn't in the winter and then it ended up, it ended up announcing a little bit later than it was originally going to. Anyway, so it was, right. um, we had the, uh, we had the winner's workshop and then we had to be, like we found out we started writing it in advance because we kind of knew that we would have to be ready before it could. Um, but or right yeah, before like early because it was coming up to, you know, September and in Grand Prairie. By the time you hit like October, you, who knows what happens, right? So it's like we had to get in there and get shooting pretty quick. But uh, we did the winner's workshop and then we drove up to Grand Prairie and two days later we went to camera. So yeah, yeah. But, but it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Cool. Uh, so yeah, I mean, that's, that, that's what I wanted to chat with you about. Um, the most was this was this project how how like how long is is it what what exactly is it is it a web series is it yeah so it ended up being um uh, it's a 44 minute pilot is essentially what it is um okay. for a family adventure show it was originally we wrote it so that it could sit as a as a pilot so that we can kind of look at what the future holds for it or also that we could release it as kind of a web series on the story hive platform. Cause that's what it's used more commonly for, right. I suppose. Um, so we wrote the episode, we tried to write it so that it could divide out into, you know, five, 10 minute parts or one 40 minute episode. Um, but then once we started putting it together, um, it just sat better as one piece. We really liked as one piece. So we sent it to our, um, 
yeah, our project coordinator over at TELUS and said, Hey, you know, we feel like it sits better like this. Do you want to just take a look? And, and they agreed with us and they were super flexible and, and were able to, to let us release it that way. So it comes all as one piece. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. Except That's it does. Cool. Yeah, it's, it was really great. And we were super thankful to let them kind of, or to, that they allowed us to kind of change things on the fly a little bit. So, right, right. Um, but it, uh, yeah, so it just sits as a 44 minute pilot. It kind of ends on a bit of a cliffhanger. So we have to uh, see what happens next. Nice. Good, good. What about casting? Like, it doesn't sound like you had any time to, to kind of do casting it with such a short schedule. Yeah. Well, we had, um, we had already done some casting when we put together the pitch video. Um, so, to do the pitch, we knew, you know, because it was a bigger edition of Story Hive that we'd want, uh, we'd want to really show them kind of what we had in mind. Um, so we didn't have the full script re- ready yet, but we had all the characters and we kind of knew the beats of the story. So we just wrote a couple scenes and then we shot, um, so I went down to Calgary to work with, uh, we worked with LNC Style on yeah. this and, um, and so I went down to Calgary and we did kind of our initial casting and then shot the, uh, the, the pitch video and kind of just told the, the cast, Hey, you know, if, uh, if this goes forward, you guys get first dibs at, at the actual show. Um, so they were ready to go. Got it. Ex- nice. Except for, um, yeah, kind of all the secondary parts um, we had to cast quickly, but those we could cast out of Grand Prairie, so it was sure. uh, it worked out as well. So I, I'm curious about just because that's where our heads are at right now. Just the logistics of pulling this all together, like what, like how big was your crew? How long did you shoot for? Obviously, Luis and Candace came up, both of them, or like how did that all work out? Yeah, so Luis and Candace came up, and then um, they brought with them Derek, who's a guy they use lots, and he was on sound. Um, and then the rest of the crew was all locally Grand Prairie folks who I've worked with before. Um, so there were, I think, at our largest, it was probably a crew of. I say 12, 13, um, somewhere in there. So it wasn't like a, a huge crew, but it was not three of us either. Right, um, exactly, yeah. So we kind of went between, between I'd say eight and 12 people, depending on, on the day. Um, you know, there was one day when we had a whole pile of extras and that sort of thing. And so then we had to bring on an extra person or two and as, uh, yeah, as logistics went. So, um, yeah, we shot for, we shot for 10 days for the most part. Um, but then we had one other day with just like a really tiny little crew of four of us where we just went and we shot all our drone or not all of our drone shots, all of our kind of basically operated as a second unit for ourselves, um, just over the next day. And then even after everyone went home, I ended up going and picking up just some, some B roll shots, just me and my camera. Right. Cool, man. And then tell me about post-production, what that all look like. 
Yeah, that was, um, Luis was our primary editor on it. So we, um, so he took all the footage back with him. They've had a really busy <laughs> schedule lately. So our post production was kind of a bit fluid, I suppose. Um, so anyway, he took, he got me initial cuts and then I would just send lots of notes back. Then I came down to Calgary. Uh, one point a little while ago, well, quite a while ago now, and uh, actually it worked out because our mentor was in Calgary too, because StoryHive always gives you a mentor to work with, which I guess you guys know. Um, and so we sat down and watched the film together and then kind of went for another cutting session and cut another nine minutes out of it, just trimming, you know, those one-sentence things that you realize you could trim just to keep the pacing up and right, that yeah, sort of yeah, thing. Yeah. Um, and then we kind of did... One more pass like that. And I came back to town, got him to work on a couple more things. It was just kind of, he, he kept sending me cuts and I kept, uh, adding little things. Then in the end, we, um, yeah, then we took it once it was all locked. So we had a composer work on it by the name of Luke Dowler, who's a guy I work with a lot. Um, and so he was kind of, it was a great process. As soon as we had a rough cut, I sent it down to him and he started composing. And then we just kept passing back and forth his tracks and cuts of the film. And he would make adjustments and we would make adjustments. And, um, I'd say, Hey, you know, that whole section on this scene isn't what I was going for. And we'd just pass it back and forth that way. Once all of those things came together, which was much closer to the deadline than I uh, desired it to be, but <laughs> such is life. <laughs> in, uh, for sure, yeah. yeah. So then, um, then, you know, there were some extra audio issues we wanted to hit. So we, um, so we took it back down to Edmonton and kind of worked, worked those out with, um, Ian, and I can't think of what his production company's called right now, which I feel bad about. <laughs> well, if you think of it, we'll put it in the show notes. I will think of it, and you can't. That'd be great. <laughs> so, yeah, so that was kind of the the process of it all. Oh, and then as we went to, um, we sent it back up, up here to certain clips to... Um, Jimber Jam Studios, who is uh, Patrick O'Connor, who I work with yeah, on most well. projects, and uh, and he did just some graphic or not some like some VFX stuff. We had just some because um, we shot in a town called Sexsmith, Alberta, um, which is a really great town, but it wasn't the the name of the town that we needed for the show. So right. he went back in and you know changed some signs and and that sort of thing for us. Right. Nice. Nice. And there's, um, I think we reposted it on Instagram. There's an incredible church. Is that where that, that location is? Yeah. Yeah. That, that church is, uh, it's right in Saxmith. It's one of the reasons we chose the town. Um, because we, Gorgeous. yeah, they have a bunch of historical buildings they've bought up, brought up there. And, um, and the historical society was also like, amazing to work with they gave us so much access and let us kind of do what we wanted to a large degree i mean we were always super respectful of course but um they were yeah the the town itself even like i can't uh, i mean it's one of the advantages of working you know in a smaller community sure. is like they were excited to do it too so if i said hey could we close down this road for a while they would get on board and go for it. So, right. um, which was 
which was, uh, yeah, really nice as opposed to kind of de- dealing with more permits and bureaucracy and, and that sort of thing. We got to kind of skip around that. That is nice. Um, right. Absolutely. Yeah. I watched the trailer for, uh, Afterlight. Is it, is it out now? Can we, can we see it now or, or is, uh, or is it, it I, I, yeah, it comes out at, at nine o'clock tomorrow morning. Actually. Oh, wow. So I'm sure by the time the podcast is out, it'll, <laughs> it'll be out. So nice. Fantastic. Yeah. That's good yeah. And, yeah. uh, and so, uh, I, I, uh, Louise and Candace's daughter is all, are, she's also in it, right? She is. Yeah. Journey is one of our leads. So it's an ensemble show. Um, so Journey is there and she plays a little girl named Macy. She does a fantastic job. And another, actually, a lot of our cast is Calgary folks. Um, and, uh, so yeah, Journey plays in it. Her older brother is a guy named Connor Mullen, who's a fantastic young actor. And then, um, Catherine Cazzotti and Chris Hills are in it. They're all from Calgary. So that's four of our main ensemble. And then Troy Lydiat, uh, flew in from Winnipeg to, to fill in as, as Miles, who's, uh, yeah, our other lead. So very cool. Uh, so what about the, uh, what about the screening event? I saw, I saw some social media stuff. How did that go? It was really fun. We have a theater up here called Grand Prairie Live Theater, um, who also do some film stuff and they're one of the venues for the local film festival in town and that sort of thing. And, uh, yeah, so it was a really full house. Everyone came. Um, it was actually awesome. The, uh, the town council from Sexsmith all ended up coming out, so I guess they, wow. they didn't mind us filming there in the end. So, <laughs> uh, it was really great to get their support and then, you know, lots of uh, friends. And actually, it was in a weird way encouraging lots of not friends, too, like lots of people that I didn't recognize, which is always nice that people are kind of paying attention, interest, yeah, seeing what's going on. So. <laughs> Yeah, but people seem to people seem to respond to the show really well, so hopefully that continues when we get it out on the internet. Right, right. So what are the uh what what were the sort of top things that you that you learned through this process? I mean, that it's a it's a pretty big budget considering um you know, other story have opportunities. Um, there are only uh, so many select actually a surprisingly large number um, considering how much money it is. Um, that were selected, but but what would what would you say? Sort of working at at this budget level, uh, what what could you pass on to other people that that uh, that might help uh, if they get to that point? That's a really good question. Um, you know, I think I think the biggest thing is choosing your team really well and choosing great people to work with. Because sure. um, yeah. both on set and 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 off that that ends up being the uh so much of the the factors of what go into it and and just everyone having a good time and getting a great product you know which are i think are more related than people realize too you know <laughs> when right. people yeah. are having fun and they're having a good time on set i mean i guess there are stories of of hostile sets where um <laughs> where there is a great product but no one wants to be in that so luckily right. we weren't we um were we're thankful for a lot of the folks we had on board and it was a lot of fun. So yeah, I love that. I love that too. Just because I think, I think, and I'm, I'm certainly have been guilty of it as well, but I think we, you know, we have to remember that, um, 
I think, you know, we all just assume that the, you know, filmmaking is, oh, there's Hollywood and, you know, maybe Bollywood and, and uh, stuff that gets huge audiences and makes huge money. Um, that's sort of what people think of when they hear, oh, the film industry. But uh, there's actually, you know, you know I, I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd call the Alberta community massive, but the more I find out about it, the more, you know, I, I see that it is actually a really large community with a lot of activity happening. Um, and that, and sadly, and then hopefully, you know, it changes, but, uh, you know, the, the productions we make, uh, we make here sort of on an independent level, they're not going to go to, you know, theatrical release. We're not going to have Tom Cruise starring in them. They're not necessarily going to change the world. Um, so I think that's a really good point because you want to make sure you're having a good time and working with good people. Um, because even if, even if, uh, it, it, you know, it, it makes a little money that, I think the most we can hope for is is sort of the once you know the lottery uh, you know you, you hear about the occasional filmmaker who has a piece that just kind of breaks through and and really uh, mm-hmm. transcends and uh, we all want that of course I think but uh, but the chances are slim um, even if you have a really really great piece so uh, I, I like that a lot because you really have to have a good time and make sure you're you're caring about the people you work with and maintaining your relationships and stuff it's because that's the that's the long term plan, right? I think at least for for us and probably for you as well is it's a matter of uh, I, I want to keep doing this for you know for years to come and uh, yeah and yeah maybe 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 I'll get famous and and go to L A. But you know that while that would be nice, the chances are, are slim for all of us. So we better have a good time while we're doing it. Yeah, that's the thing, right? And at the end of the day, you know, like it's always important to remember that that like I don't know I I. I always try to remember that the fact that we get to make our living just by using our imaginations is yes. is quite a privilege. And Absolutely. and so I want to, to always keep that in mind, you know, like what we're doing is it's not that it's not important. I think it is important in in some respects. In fact, I think in some respects, art is one of the most important things in a culture. Absolutely. But on the other hand, you know, we're making a movie, so everyone should be having a good time and and uh, and enjoying that experience. Otherwise, I don't know. Right. You know, it loses something. So I think that's a huge thing for me is just just working with people and and you know that even extends to the the broader people. I love how you guys um, always keep the definition of filmmaker fairly broad and i appreciate yeah. that because you know that does extend to you know the the lady who did all our craft for us in yeah, Zach Smith, and you know she's never done film stuff before but she came in and she was good and that meant that everyone was well fed and she was happy right. and we were happy and <laughs> that's what made totally. the whole thing work so um so just yeah continuing to to work with people was i mean the the biggest um learning of of the whole process and remembering that that's what every business is 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 people at the end of the day certainly what um what might what might you do differently next time or or what were some like oh shit learning moments for you you know there was one thing actually working with the town was super great like i said um but there was you know there was one time when i realized 
I needed to do a better job of communicating with like um, the kind of the more random residents of town. <laughs> I don't know right. a better way to say that. <laughs> but like one time we were we shut down Main Street, and I communicated that with the town ahead of time and stuff. Said, "Hey, this is our schedule. We need to shoot this scene that's right on Main Street." And blah blah blah. Everything was cool, but I realized that I didn't go around to each of the local businesses that was on that Main Street and say. Hey, just so you know, this is happening. So everyone was happy by the end of it. And once I had talked to them and that sort of thing, but there was, <laughs> there was uh, a moment where I think a few of them were frustrated with us at first. <laughs> it's like coming up to lunchtime and no one could get at their restaurant and things like right. that. Right. Fair enough. And so just some of that, like, some of that stepping back and just uh, really making sure whether it's a producer well ahead of time or even a PA who's really good with people the day of just kind of giving people a heads up of exactly what you're doing and how long you'll be there. Um, I think that goes goes a long way. And then the other thing would just be, uh, you know, making sure you do get all the people that you or a locations manager would be a great person to do that too. But um, making sure that you do get enough people to kind of cover all the, all the jobs. Cause you don't really save time. Like we had, um, we had a number of kind of PA sort of positions that, that we wanted to have anyway, by the time we got to production, balancing the budget, all of that, we ended up trying to cut one of them. Um, uh, like not that there was a person in it and we cut them, <laughs> but just right. we didn't we didn't fill that one and we're like ah you know I think it'll be okay, but it ended up meaning that Candace who was one of our producers ended up doing a lot of driving around and running which I'm super not convinced saved us any time or budget. Right. Um, so halfway through the production we ended up hiring someone else and it was great because she was available and stuff. But just. Uh, Keeping in mind, I suppose, that it's it's always worth having all the people you need when you need them. I always uh, tell people I was work, living on Vancouver Island for a little while. And at first it, like, super confused me why, like, because I would do some background work a little bit when I was out there. Sometimes bigger productions would be coming through. And at first it doesn't make sense to people why they would have you sit in holding for, like, 10 hours when you're a background performer, which is pretty standard. Um but then when you realize that it's like, yeah, it's because if you're not available and all of the production has to hold for two hours to wait for the background performer right. to show up when they could be moving on, it's, yeah. it's well worth having the people in holding and uh, chilling out. Hi, everyone. I just want to take a quick second out of our conversation with Rue Jones to tell you about the Calgary Film Center. Um, I'm really stoked to say that I can speak from personal experience now, having just finished uh, filming uh, an entire week in Studio 2, um, that I can agree with all of this stuff. The Calgary Film Center is a world-class screen-based production facility, suitably equipped at service so you can execute your next project with ease. They have 50,000 square feet of purpose-built sound stages and 25,000 square feet of multi-purpose warehouse and workshop spaces. All of this complemented by their anchor tenant, William F. White, um, who's right there in the building or just across the parking lot if you're shooting in the studios. And they are, of course, Canada's oldest and largest provider of professional motion picture, television, digital media, and theatrical production equipment. And what was so great about having them right there was, you know, if we needed an extra C-stand or some sandbags or we needed to, to rent something just for a day, you just walk over and get it. And then you walk over and return it. Um, and there's such great people there. Um, Sean Toner and his team were wonderful, um, wonderful support for us. 
At the Film Center, of course, their aim is to deliver production support for local, national, and international screen industry projects in their purpose-built venue. All of this is designed to service individual client needs, and they deliver programs uh, and training to engage and support innovation and excellence in the film and television industry. And um, yeah, we're, we're very thankful for their support. Um, and it was wonderful working there. We actually, I think we were, the, we were the first production to shoot in the hallway outside of the studios. And we were able to retrofit that to be a police station. And we were able to work in one of their dimmer rooms to replicate it for an office. So there was a lot of opportunity there. Um, and we had a great time filming there. That uh, police station looked great. I'm just going to so chime good. in on this. It looks so good. <laughs> it really did yeah, come it really together did. really well. Um, yeah, so look out for um, new announcements coming from them. Uh, and, of course, they're in a big um, development phase right now as they have been purchased by the city of Calgary. So uh, lots of news coming from the Calgary Film Center. I encourage you to find out more at calgaryfilmcenter.com. It's a good point. Um, so I wonder, uh, is, uh, is it? I guess it's just going to be on, on YouTube, on the TELUS YouTube uh, channel. Is that the best place to see it? Yeah, it's actually already out on Telus Optic. Oh. Um, so, oh, so anyone if you has... have Telus Optic, you can VOD yeah. it sort of thing. Cool. Yeah, if you just go to the video on demand, the easiest way is just to search Afterlight, all one okay. word. Um, you can get it through the like on demand Optic Local featured, but it, it it's easier just to search. I found. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, but yeah, then it'll come out on YouTube tomorrow, and um, we'll actually have. A site up, which is just afterlight.ca, which essentially will just be there to, to embed the YouTube video on so that we can give people an easy link to follow. Sure. Um, and then, uh, that's, uh, that's, that's its main place where it's going to live right now. Um, and then the goal is just to spread the word as much as we can and see, we're going to kind of take that approach to, to see if it can generate some buzz online and then see where we take it from there. Awesome. Very awesome. Well, congratulations on that. Uh, yeah, that's huge, man. You Thank mentioned, you. Uh, you mentioned earlier um, that sort of you, you're able to make a living uh, kind of doing video as well. Uh, mm. I wonder if you'd be willing to sort of chat about that side of it um, and, and how you're able to kind of make, uh, make it your full-time thing. Sure. Totally happy to do that. Um, yeah, you know, it's... It's really a combination of of creative projects and then other sorts of projects like local commercials and we and corporate videos and we we have done a few training videos and stuff for companies in the past and I used to do more weddings and that is basically the size of it. Lately I've been lucky that most of the stuff I've been doing is is in some way creative, like whether that's uh, shooting commercials for people that, um, you know, we write and produce some commercials for a local realtor and stuff like that. Oh, sure, yeah. Or, um, or bigger projects like this, uh, um, Afterlight, or right now we're writing a pilot for another show, um, which, which we're able to do because of a CMF grant. So it's just basically, combining as many things as we can to, to make all the puzzle pieces go together. We've also shot, uh, last year we shot a documentary for AMI, um, which is a really cool channel to work with. And, uh, we're shooting another one for them this month. So, um, it's just been kind of like, uh, 
started out just doing little small things and then was able to pick up a couple music videos and then started to kind of try to make a name for ourselves and, and more and more people are finding out about us and which means you can get more and more choosy about the projects, I suppose. Sure, which yeah. is a great direction to be slowly slowly headed. Um but you know, I will say like as much as like um I'm doing less weddings and stuff now you know, those were a good part in my career starting out in that they taught me a lot of things. Like I know how to shoot really fast because sure. at a wedding, you right, don't get exactly. time to choose your shot. It's like, I would say I'm jealous of the photographers because, you know, as long as they make it up at some point during someone's speech and take a picture, then then they're good. They at least captured that moment, right? And I know that's a hard job too and and other respects. I'm not saying that, but if if you're doing the videography and you miss the first word of the speech, the whole thing's wrecked. Right. <laughs> you look yeah, dumb. Sure. So so it was good. It taught me how to choose angles really quickly and move quickly and uh, doing uh, people's commercials for social media taught other lessons about just how to catch people's attention in that first 10 seconds and you know, writing theater taught us how to write lines. And so it all kind of builds together, hopefully. Cool. Yeah, it's a, it can be a challenge. Uh, but but yeah, I, I like that you've kind of got a, a bit of a, a collection of different sources. I think that's an important uh, part of the plan. Yeah, well, you guys do that too, right? You do lots of we do, cor- yeah. corporate videos and stuff. Absolutely. And doing absolutely. Features. For sure. Uh, so... Uh, another another project. I, I mean, looking at your uh, your story hive page, you know, there are a lot of different projects. Um, I don't know if they all received funding, but the most recent one uh, is the Alberta Internet Creators Project. Yes, which also drops tomorrow. <laughs> oh, does it really? Wow. Yeah, you've been busy. Yes, we have. <laughs> <laughs> so that one is um, is Patrick. O'Connor, he was the director on it, and he brought me on as a producer, which was very great. Um, And that was super fun, too. We did a little tour of Alberta and talked to different YouTubers and um, were able to sort of capture parts of their story and and kind of talk about that. So in the end, the the title for the documentary is um, Demonetized, A Creator's Journey, which is... um, Kind of the impetus between Patrick wanting to do this doc was was that kind of moment where um, I don't know if, if you guys were yeah in the YouTube world at this time, but I certainly heard about it. Yeah, yeah, about a year ago, I guess it would be. They suddenly sent an email to everyone with a YouTube channel, was like, "Hey, if you don't have a thousand subs, and I forget what the watch minutes were, but it was pretty high. It was way different than before." Uh, you no longer can make money on this. And I wasn't making a ton of money on YouTube. I was making some. Um, and, and Patrick was in the same boat. He had been working hard to like, he had been building the Jimber Jam channel, which I think you guys have even talked about on the show and kind of building it up. And he said it wasn't like a ton of money, but it's enough to start paying some expenses. And then it was like, oh, suddenly that whole revenue stream's gone. Wow. And then just kind of like the discouragement that, you know, you've worked hard to build up 800 subs, but it's not quite enough and it's all gone. <laughs> right. um, so we kind of went around the province and talked to a, a bunch of different creators just about their experience with that. But just as being creators 
in general. Um, and hopefully we find a way actually to do a wider release of that because the story high project is a digital short. So it's 10 minutes. Um, and obviously it's hard to encapsulate those, you know, six or seven people's stories in <laughs> all in 10 minutes. So, uh, we have a lot of footage that, that I would love to find a good home for. <laughs> oh, I, well, and I bet you can sort of as, as bonus content, uh, online. Yeah. Yeah. So we're kind of exploring what our options are with that right now. So yeah, we're, we're really excited to, to be releasing both of those. Awesome. Yeah. And, and did you screen that one as well? Or, or what's the, that one hasn't been screened yet. Okay. Um, so it's kind of, uh, it is very few people on earth who have seen that one yet, but I okay. think we're going to really like it. Patrick's uh he's a fantastic editor and, um, he did a great job directing. And so I'm, I'm, I'm excited for people to see it. I think people are going to respond really well. Cool. Who are who are some of the people you spoke with? Because of the, I mean, I imagine they're, the, you know, I personally, even like I like you said, with a broad with a broad uh, definition of filmmaker, um, I I would maybe I would get some pushback on this, but I would call a Twitch streamer a filmmaker as well. Um, not necessarily the most traditional form of filmmaking, but um, I'm just interested to hear who who uh, are kind of the voices of this doc. Yeah, well, we ended up focusing 100% on on YouTubers. Um, okay. Just because as we got lots and lots of, because we kind of reached out to some specific people we knew we wanted, and then we also opened up applications. Because part of why we want to do is because you don't, the cool thing about YouTube is you could have a next-door neighbor who, you don't even know it, but they have a million subs and they have a big right. audience, and this is what they do is make videos of, I don't know, whatever, Lego, <laughs> you know, yeah. and so it's kind of the new world. So we want to open that up. So we ended up focusing all on YouTubers. So we have, um, and we've talked a lot about doing other editions where maybe we do cover Instagrammers or Twitchers or podcasters or all different people who are creating online. Um, but for this, we focus on YouTubers. So we have, uh, Steven Robinson, who is the, he does how to learn anything, um, which was a story hive project oh, yeah. actually. That's right. Which, yeah, he, his, his channels, it's one of my favorite channels on YouTube. It's great. Um, and then we have Nicholas Yee, who is a cellist who does really beautiful work. Um, Elizabeth Chamberlain's a musician, uh, a guy by the name of Donna, who's in Edmonton, who's been doing more camera review reviews and stuff. And, okay. um, and his channel's been growing at an incredible rate. His channel's called Donna Did It. Um, and then we had, we wanted some local people. So we have uh, a guy named Kai Riddell, who um, actually his brother was uh, a grip on Afterlight by chance. Uh, that's how we found out about him. But he, he speed runs video games, specifically uh, Minecraft. Um, it. It's crazy. Like we watched him and he can like, I didn't even know Minecraft had an end, but it does. And he can yeah. get there in seven minutes. Like it's like insane. Wow. <laughs> um, so we, we did. And uh, the, oh, what's the company that makes Minecraft? Uh, I can't think of their name right now, but anyway, they flew him out to London for a, like a big tournament thing one time. And so that was cool. Another guy in town, uh, Dan, he has a Star Trek channel where he talks about 
Star Trek and he talks about their books and the different TV shows and all of that stuff. And uh, that was really great. It meant that I had to get on the lawyer or get on the phone with CBS's lawyers to make sure we could use all our B-roll shot oh, in his house. Right. But, <laughs> but they were really cool about it, actually. So, um, yeah, those are... The ones that are springs. Oh, uh, Brad Angro, Angove. Uh, he has a channel where he makes guitars and paints and customizes oh, nice. guitars. And so we really want to capture kind of, yeah, the diversity of, of filmmakers that, that are making something on YouTube. You know, we have musicians and vloggers and people who are creating like instructional videos and, and, and everyone is doing it. And, I just I love that about um, kind of our current world is right. If you can find a niche and people do it, then then good for you. You know, you're, you're making it work. Totally. Well, it, yeah. it, the niche is becoming not so niche anymore, right? When you can find a community of 10 million people who love, you know, Kinder surprises, it's not really niche anymore, right? It's, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. 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 yeah it's, I look lots of times at like. Um, you know, there's like, like my daughter, my youngest one, she likes watching YouTube videos where they like play with Play-Doh. <laughs> um, and so, so she asks to do that, but it's like, you know, they have like millions and millions and millions of views and someone's For making sure. a, yeah. a killer good living, you know, making little Play-Doh guys, which is fantastic. Um, it, it is. Yeah. It's, uh, it's pretty incredible. Uh, I, I, I was, I remember speaking with, the. uh, a potential state student who uh, was hoping to get into state and uh, it's just, yeah, it's, it's a different world. And, and I think I forget which of you brought up Lego, but it was a Lego video that he had made. And I think it was like an unboxing video and not that it was, you know, millions or anything like that, but, but I think his, his dad was just like, um, I, I don't know how many views it got, but enough to, to earn some money. Mm -hmm. And, and his dad was like, yeah, it's going to be like 15 bucks. And then they, they got the check and it was for 500 bucks and he's like 13 years old or something. It's, uh, it's pretty incredible. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a good world. And I think the longer most of us work in the creative industries, even when I was in music, like, I don't know when you start out, I think some people have kind of like a, a preciousness about it. And then I don't know. I find the longer people are in it, the more, at least for me, it's like, man, if you can make a way, to make a living in the arts, good for you. Like whatever that is, like if it's making high art or if it's making a Lego unboxing video, if you're doing what you love doing and you're able to make a go of it, then that's awesome. You know, absolutely, totally. Um, so what is what is the state of that now? What is it? Is is that still how YouTube is? Are they demonetizing? Like that's how they've left things. Yeah, it's the same way. And there was always um, a bar before you started getting paid, but it just went up significantly. Um, right. That being said, you know, it's not it's not 100 percent of an unreasonable bar. It's, it's a thousand subs. And I think I feel like it's 10,000 watch minutes in a year. But I can't quite remember that. Okay. Um, but so it. You know, you can definitely get there. And definitely a lot of the creators who we interviewed weren't demonetized. They um, they kind of, uh, you know, had, had, the, had the stats to, to get there and you can still make a good living. Um, right. 
you know, I will say like there was a Donna who we interviewed. He had a really great thing where he just said, you know, at the end of the day, that just made me drill down harder because he's like, hey, the the field just opened up. A bunch of people got discouraged and quit. And I feel bad for them. But that means that there's more room for my videos. Right. To break yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> sure enough. Yeah, it's kind of uh, it's kind of how you look at it. Um, and, uh, you know, it it depends. It depends what career you want. Partly, I do look at it. And yeah, I used to think more about, oh, man, maybe I should have YouTube be a significant part of my career. And um, lately, I've been trying to go more into a TV direction because um, probably if you would have asked me, and so this might change in three years again, mm -hmm. but if you would have asked me three years ago, I'd be like, ah, I don't know. I feel like those old broadcast mediums are going to fall away and maybe I better be building my YouTube presence. And, right. and now I feel, I do feel a little bit more like, oh man, but that's such a, a plastic thing when, you know, Google can decide in a day. Hey, we're going to take away the revenue stream. Whereas, at least if you're working in TV, they have to uh, pay you. <laughs> oh, just so you know, that doc we asked you to produce, yeah, we, we're not going to pay for that anymore. So, so uh, I, I remember that when 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 it first started, when when becoming like a, a partner, a YouTube partner, uh, that was the requirement. You needed to have a thousand subs. Mm -hmm. um, and then it's, I, it must have sort of dropped and dropped over time. Um, yeah, but, uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, it doesn't seem like the, you know, the worst idea to me. Um, at the same time though, like you say, I mean, if, 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 if you're garnering the views and, and, you know, putting the work into the content, there's certainly an argument to be made that, you know, your, your work should be rewarded, if it, especially if it's finding an audience. Yeah, you know, like I had a video that um that generated revenue for me for a while that was it was actually it was a, a corporate video that they asked to host on my YouTube channel and oh cool. So it's so it's not untowards in any way, but it was like a training video for truckers and it was about how to like oh man. It was like how to fix your brakes or something. Um, a bunch okay. of trucking stuff I didn't really understand, which was kind of weird <laughs> because people always tried to like clarify and ask me comments. And I'm like, right. <laughs> I do want me to come. And sometimes people would like argue with me. They'd be like, that's not the best way to adjust the brake. <laughs> I'm like, do you want me to come film a video of you explaining the best way? I, I don't know, man. <laughs> I'm happy to fly down there and do it. So, um, but you know, is it, it, it was like, 60 minutes long and had a long retention rate because people oh, wow. actually would use it to to train so it, it was like there are there are other ways that people build an audience and keep them on youtube and youtube does serve those people ads so in a lot of ways it's like well you guys can pay anytime you want to serve ads seems like a fairly fair system yeah <laughs> um but you know, YouTube basically said the whole thing is tied up in because um, they were having like people post inappropriate videos and then they would. So they were doing the, the whole thing where advertisers could say if it went on safe content or not safe content or they've been trying to figure that puzzle out for a while. Um, yeah. I'm not sure that stopping vloggers with 600 views from making their $20 a month is, is really the solution to that problem. But, um, yeah. it, 
it gave Google an excuse to save some money, I suppose. But yeah, oh, for sure. <laughs> um, but you know what? They again, like I can't. I don't know. I feel like again, I feel like you can't really begrudge. You know, they're giving us a giant free platform to distribute all the films and videos we want. So, mm-hmm. like previously, you know, I wouldn't have. Um, short films that have been, you know, like Finding Fairies. It it did okay on YouTube. Um, it's done like, I think, 6,000 and some views on my channel and about the same on Telus's channel. But, you know, it actually did better on Amazon Prime in the UK for a little while. It got really popular. And so it's just like finding places where people can respond to your content, you know, and, and any platform that allows us to do that, I'm, I might gripe a little bit, but overall <laughs> I'm thankful for. <laughs> so. Right. How did you get your short on Amazon prime UK? Uh, you can, um, so th- they have, Amazon has Amazon video direct and okay. you can put anything up on there. Um, and so unfortunately we don't have like Amazon prime in Canada doesn't have nearly the volume of material that they have in cause Amazon video direct, you can put, you can upload your own content in it. So it serves in the UK in Germany, in the U.S., and in Japan are the markets it's in. Um, but So you can serve your content there, and you can put it for sale or for rent or with Prime, and uh, wow. and away it goes. And, I didn't you know, know about that. That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's a good way to, to, to put stuff out there. Like, honestly, I put Finding Fairies on there um mostly so i could learn to use the platform and to figure out like you know whenever there's like a new platform a new stream of revenue anything like that i try to at least look at what it is um and they uh, so i was like oh i have a film sitting here and and tell us is you know they don't one thing that's really great about story hive is you get to keep your ip right you right. can do whatever you yeah, exactly. On exclusive. So I was like, well, why don't I stick it up here and see what happens? And it's amazing the uh, the number of people who bought it or paid to rent it when they could have gone to YouTube and watched the same thing for free. But people don't necessarily do that, right? Like people watch the platform they're used to. That's right. why you kind of have to be everywhere. Because if you're a person who, like most of us, maybe you have like, two maybe three platforms that you watch things on that are kind of sure. your go-to yeah but, you know if you're already a person who watches amazon prime and netflix you're probably not going to sign up for the next streaming service or you know like there's yeah. so many that so anyway apparently the people who watched it on amazon weren't people who watch things on youtube and they uh yeah and and then for whatever reason it's the same same thing as all other social media in some ways. Like I must have bumped up higher in the algorithm in the UK for a period of time. Right. It was just it did really well over there for yeah three months or so, and then it dropped off. And <laughs> but it was kind That's of this great. unexpected little thing. Unfortunately, they give you very few analytics with Amazon, mm. so I couldn't figure out where those views came from. If it would have been YouTube, and it turns out some blog. Right. So it was great. 
then you would see that in your YouTube analytics and you could go and you could contact that blog about your next project. But Amazon offers no such analytics. They're just like, oh, look at that. That's weird. Thanks for the check. (laughs) See you later. (laughs) And so you did generate some revenue on it. Yeah, I mean, not. Yeah, we yeah we generated a few hundred bucks on it or whatever, which for a film that was already produced and living on YouTube is better than not generating a few hundred bucks. So. <laughs> and and what's the take like? Do they take a thirty percent off of it, or is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's exactly it. Is like a thirty percent, and so but you get to set your price for the rental and for the sales. Oh, okay. um, so you can say it costs whatever you want. I mean, you know, if you're some independent filmmaker from Canada without putting much marketing budget into it, I would probably aim low <laughs> just because if people see it's a dollar, they might buy it. And if they see it's 10, they probably, if they've never heard of it, they'd probably move on. So, um, well, that's cool. I had no idea. That's a new platform uh, that, that I didn't have a clue about. So it's, it's, it's worth it. If you, if, uh, if you or anyone else have some films that are just kind of sitting around and not right. doing anything, um, you know, you may as well stick them up there. And then if they find an audience, great. And if they don't, it's just, if nothing else, it's probably better SEO for you because your name comes up beside director more often on the right, internet, right. which right. isn't going to hurt anything. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm a big believer in, in getting stuff out there. You know, I know yeah. too many filmmakers, you have projects sitting around on your computer, but no one gets to see them. And I'm like, well, mm-hmm. Even if it's not perfect, because all of my projects have had things that um, that like, oh man, that could be better. But totally. I still try I mean, to. We all do that. Yeah, and but I think you still like owe it to yourself to promote them as as far as you can, and 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 because people don't care to be honest, like about like a little glitch that you care about you know like like, oh man the second act could be 10 percent faster like (laughs) that's like such a filmmaker problem that maybe like one percent of the population notices and (laughs) everyone else like i guess so whatever (laughs) so um it's worth just you know doing the best job you can and then getting it out there and and seeing how the world responds and hopefully you get better and better you know i really do believe that afterlights the the best thing I've made, right. but I hope it's the best thing I've made to date. I hope the next thing's better yet. So, yeah, sure. uh, so well, that's fantastic. So people can find uh, that on uh, Afterlight on uh, Optic right now, and and well, pr- by the time they're hearing this, I'm sure it'll be on YouTube as well. Yeah. Um, and the internet. Uh, w- wait, you changed the title. The the internet creators. Yeah, it's still if. Um... What's the fastest way to be able to get it? Yeah, they can search for demonetized on like StoryHive's channel, okay. or they can check out if they, um, you know, it's probably easiest to go to facebook.com slash Alberta creators. Okay. Um, cause we'll definitely have the link prominently posted and that sort of thing. Um, right. just since I don't have a YouTube link yet, um, that's probably the best place to direct people. Cool. Uh, and what about uh, uh, how do people find out more about you and your company and your team? Where, where can people go? Sure. Basically, everything is um, slash checkered owl. So checkered owl dot com. Um, so it's like checkered 
owl. <laughs> I was saying it too fast. And then um, twitter.com slash checkered owl, facebook.com slash checkered owl, instagram.com slash checkered owl, whatever. Uh, right, right. So those are probably the three platforms I use most often. Cool. Awesome, man. Uh, awesome. Well, thank you so much for, uh, for doing this and sharing some insight um, and congratulations on all the success. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. It's uh, it's an exciting time, and yeah, I'm just excited to get Afterlight out there and hope hope people watch it and enjoy it. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing. Thanks, dude. Right. Thank you. Well, thank you, Rue Jones, for joining us. Um, you know, I I don't know if I, I don't remember if I mentioned it on that recording, but he's been such a supporter of this podcast. He's he really maybe has. one of the most supportive uh, people of the podcast and, and always uh, sharing and promoting us. And it's, it's very kind of him. And so, um, and sometimes we need that too. Yeah. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, and so it's nice to be able to share what he's up to through the podcast, of course. Um, but also to, to talk about sort of what's happening in some of the smaller jurisdictions in Alberta oh, absolutely, when it comes course. to filmmaking and like good on not just um, Rue, but also Arjan and, and several other, like Fort McMurray. There's a lot of places that are not necessarily, the, you know, the hubs of filmmaking in the province, but they're still putting together and creating some amazing stuff. Totally. For example, Nerdvana actually Nerdvana. just finished their run. Yeah, they're, They just wrapped up, so you should go check them out. Uh, you can watch the whole uh, Nerdvana series now. Um, so, and it's, yeah. so, it's so easy to... Um, feel like, you know, especially for, if, if you listen to the podcast, feel like it's mostly Calgary based, you know, with Edmonton as well. Right. Um, and some red deer, but yeah, there's, there's tons of stuff going on all over true, the province. True. And, yeah. uh, you know, story hive did a specific grant round for this a couple of years ago. That's right. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. Specifically yeah. for not, um, big cities and big film centers. Wasn't it a music video? I think it was a music yeah, video. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, and I know for a fact that a lot of workshops are also designed to get out of the big cities mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. and go to these um, smaller jurisdictions. Yeah, so. StoryHive is on record saying they want to support and stimulate the the economy and the communities in uh, in smaller jurisdictions. Yeah. So, yeah, get on it if you're if you're interested. Yeah, there's there's really no no reason not to. Um, except it's really hard. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> Alrighty. So we've got, uh, lots to talk about in the upcoming dates and deadlines. Yeah. It's going to be a long episode, but yes, um, let's, let's start with the news you can use. Yes, of course. Um, which is brought to you by bleeding art industries. And, uh, as you know, that's often not often always brought to you by, uh, by bleeding art industries. And we thank them and, and all of our sponsors for their patience with us as we took a little hiatus for, uh, for Jones and, um, but they have their tip as they always do. Uh, and this one is, uh, reads like this, as most filmmakers know, it is getting increasingly difficult to get adequate financing and revenue generating distribution in today's crowded market. Although there are more opportunities for our work to be seen, there's less money and more competition. It can be tempting to lower our standards and try to hit it out of the park with something mainstream that you think will make money or have a huge audience. But does that project speak to what's in your heart? Does it reflect your authentic voice? Don't try to be someone you're not or try to replicate other filmmakers work. If you have something to say, say it your way. The power of speaking from the heart and with your own voice is the best strategy we have, uh, both for our own creative work and for people we're trying to engage. I love this tip so much. Look at that. Yeah. Yeah. The, it's, that's, heart, it's so true. It's a um, heartfelt tip. It is. And it's the, the literally like the only thing that you can bring to a project that nobody else can it's a good is, point. is your own, yeah. is yourself. Yeah. Um, and that's the only thing that's going to make it unique is, is being authentic and being kind of true to your, to yourself. 
Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, and that's that's something Kid Cudi says. Like, how do like people ask him how how do you uh, how do you have you know your own thing? How do you be something different? How do you break out? And and he always says, just be yourself because yeah. you're you are already a unique person. Um, so tell your story and be be yourself. That's that's very cool. Yeah. And if you try to fake it, it, it comes across like there's too, it, it tests you on too many levels. To, right. Right. Yeah. To, to fake it in, the, yeah. in that capacity, at least as far as a creative storyteller goes, like we, we all know the fake it till you make it thing, which I completely agree with. Um, but if you're the one doing the storytelling, um, I don't think that works. Hmm. So, uh, oh, oh man, I want to introduce this one. Oh, you want to talk about it? Okay, the, go for the, it. the upcoming deadline. Yeah. Um, the CSAF is putting on something very exciting and I can, I can be more excited about it than Matt because it was kind of Matt's uh, initiative. <laughs> so, um, the Calgary Society of Independent Filmmakers is starting an award, uh, a series of awards, I should say. And it happens, it's going to be happening every year. And this is the first year that it's going on. Um, and the, the chance to submit, uh, your project for an award is now open uh, and it will be closing soon. So these, these are called the stinger awards. Um, and it will be held on November 24th, 2018 in Calgary at Festival Hall. Uh, the Stingers are, of course, it's filmmaker lingo for um, an AC extension cord on a film set. Uh, and it's dedicated to recognizing the de- determination and talent of Southern Alberta filmmakers from all career levels, um, emerging and mid-level and established. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's the... It's meant to be the award ceremony because there isn't one uh, for you know filmmakers in our area in, in southern Alberta. So it's because uh, Fava has one. Fava has one. Yeah, a lot of jurisdictions. Why can't, why have, can't them, we yeah. have one? It's about time. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot going on with this right now, and one of them is we need sponsors as well. Right. So if you're at all interested in sponsoring uh, this awards night, um, it's going to be um, something that uh, is a lot of fun and obviously uh, has an audience of people that you might be interested in accessing, um, uh, especially if you're in the, you know, if you have a company or if you're in the film space in some way. But even if you're not, I mean, your business might be um, uh, complementary to our community in some way. Um, And, And filmmakers, you know, are resourceful people. Um, and yeah. they're technology um, focused and interested people yeah. and creative types. And it's not just cameras right. that they care about. And it's not true just enough. cameras that they spend money on. Very true. So, um, yeah, a lot to consider there for sure. Uh, what are some of the awards that, that will be given away? Um, so there's best short form narrative. Yeah. Best oh, yeah. long form yeah. documentary. Best, best animated. Form, yeah. yeah. Um, best feature. Um, best, best actor. actor best yeah. actress. Um, and I'm just going to do it. I don't know if anybody's going to be upset with me for this, but I'm going to announce right now that we have a special award called the friend of the community award. We talked about this when we first announced it, but we're going to announce the recipient. Should I do this? Is that, I, I don't know. I mean, why not? We're running out of time. So, so uh, why not? We we're, we're lucky enough to honor Phil Letourneau, who has been an incredible supporter of, of our community and an educator for so many members of our community. Yeah. A pillar uh, of our community. Yeah. Absolutely. So he'll be the very first recipient of the friend of the community award. It's kind of like a lifetime achievement award, but Phil's got a lot more work to put in. He's far from done. And, and the lifetime achievement award always sounds like, well, you're done with your career now. Um, but he has done so much and kind of built you know, he had huge influence on you and I, for example, and countless other filmmakers that come, that came through state. So, um, and he's just so approachable. He's taught so much, shared so much knowledge. Um, yeah, like you say, a pillar of the community for sure. And an ambassador for celluloid film, Yeah, which is, which we need. So, uh, congratulations to Phil. Uh, Phil is also going to be teaching a class in conjunction with the Stinger Awards. We'll tell you more about that, uh, as we get closer to the day, but, uh, yeah, congratulations to Phil. And, um, 
We hope you'll come and support him in receive in receiving that award, but also get your submissions right. in. Yes, and so so the deadline to submit is coming up quick, mm-hmm. October twenty seventh, uh, and you can do it through Film Freeway. That's right. Um, how, how there's a there's a link in the show notes, or you can check out filmfreeway.com slash stinger awards. Yep. Um, and submit, submit your project for consideration. Uh, what does it have to be finished recently or what are they? Yeah, there is some eligibility, but, but, but they're pretty wide. Like I think you can have completed the film within the last two or three years. I, be sure to check the eligibility. I don't, I don't recall, but we tried to keep it broad this time so we could get lots of, it's the first time around. So yeah. we want lots of submissions. Do you have to be a member of the CSAF? You do. Yeah. You do. Um, and that's, uh, but that, you know, pays off in spades. So if you, oh, if you want to, uh, if you want to become a member, um, and, and, uh, you know, to, to get your submission in, there's a whole bunch of other perks of becoming a member that you can check out. It, yeah, the membership pays for itself in the first workshop totally. that you take totally. um, and many other things. So, yeah, Stinger Awards. Uh, definitely. And there's going to be an after party afterwards. So come, I'm going. Come hang it's going to be fun. <laughs> um, okay, enough about that. Uh, let's talk about Ampia and how they are now accepting entries for another thing that Calgary doesn't have. Uh, <laughs> the Edmonton Film and Music Prizes, which are no joke. Like, there's some serious money to be won here um, for both Edmonton, uh, for both music, I should say, and film. Um, and I believe Adam Scorgi won the film prize uh, last year. Last year, I think you're right. And that's a $10,000 prize. And even uh, two $1,000 runner-ups. So um, I, I believe it's in partnership with Ampia. Yeah, it is. And uh, Ampia. And so if you are interested in applying... Um, how do they do that? I'm looking for, oh, okay. So there's a, oh, you can just drop it in a Dropbox. Um, so oh. check out the show notes for, for the Dropbox link. Um, because, uh, I'm sure there's more information. Maybe check out Ampia's website for more information on that. Um, but yeah, what a cool, uh, award and, uh, something, uh, that's what we'll build next after the Stinger Awards. Right. For sure. We'll just <laughs> copy everything that Edmonton's <laughs> doing. Um, Yes, the deadline to um, submit your project for consideration there is Friday, November 2nd at 4 p.m. coming up. It's coming up as well. Um, There's a youth queer media program uh, coming up. I don't know too much about this, but it's open to any youth 16 to 24 years of age. No previous film experience is required. Um, And it's an opportunity to share your story and your unique perspective on queer identity for youth today. Uh, Short films can be of any genre or type, and final films can be up to 15 minutes. And this runs uh, from December to March um, and provides the time and tools to create a short film, uh, including workshops, multiple with industry professionals in storyboarding, editing, filming, and production. Uh, the program culminates in the world premiere of the films at the Fairy Tales Queer Film Festival in May and the opportunity for additional screenings as they arise. So the deadline to apply for this um, program, which, which is incredible and what and such a great opportunity uh is november 15th so that's coming up uh so there's an application form um which is on on a squarepace website uh but the link to it is quite long and it's in the show notes i would encourage you to click on that or google um youth queer media program and i would say fairy tales i would add fairy tales onto the end of that yeah. uh, and you'll be able to find more information about that Scott, you're going to be in Red Deer this weekend. I sure am. Oh, shit. Is that this weekend? <laughs> I think so, right? Yeah, it is. Hey, yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. I am. And I'm and ready. I'm prepared. This is another, you know, a friend of the show, friend of ours, uh, guest on the show, Dylan Pierce, uh, is on the board of uh, the uh, Am- of Ampia uh, and uh, has been sort of working uh, on the committee for uh, professional development for some years now and has been putting on these producer accelerator events and um, holding them, this isn't the first time it's been in Red no. Deer, uh, but holding in Red Deer sort of so as, uh, you know, everybody can kind of meet in Red Deer. Um, you can, you know, make maybe, I don't know, an hour and a half, 
drive and yep. you know it's not too bad. you don't necessarily have to stay over uh, overnight but you can uh, in fact there's some deals for hotels and things um, but this is just a great two-day workshop uh, really you know to to get um, those people who are interested in figuring out how to make a film make a web series make a, a different um, sort of <laughs> sorry I'm being distracted right now there's a uh, wrestling mask <laughs> looking at us through the window right oh, it's, gone. Okay. it's terrifying uh, so this is what happens when you work on a wrestling comedy show and record your podcast uh, during it uh, so uh, yeah so anyway check it out uh, Scott is going to be speaking about building a business starting a company uh, getting, starting a company. getting started in the industry yeah. um, from that perspective um, oh my god it sounds so boring but, <laughs> but I guarantee it's going to be less boring than it sounds. And it's the stuff you got to do. I mean, it's, we, we talk yeah, about this a lot. Like, Actra is tough paperwork, but you, if you want to do it, you gotta, totally. if you want to make movies, you're going to have to totally. do it. And, and this is about, um, you know, starting a corporate video company as well as a, as a film company. It's not about like, oh, what are the logistics of setting up a, you know, single purpose film production mm-hmm. company? It's not about that. Right. It's about starting a a real proper business. Right. Um, and, and yes, some like specific steps you should be taking, but also questions to ask yourself, research you should be doing, um, resources for you, tips and tricks. Um, a lot of it's, it's, gets really granular and I've only got 45 minutes to go through it. So it'll be much shorter <laughs> than this podcast. It'll be right. intense. Right. Um, and it's actually going to be full of uh, great information uh, and, and stuff that I had to learn the hard way. So I'm jealous of all of you who get to listen to me blather on about the boring shit. But also, there's a lot of other stuff happening uh, over the weekend, including um, a great talk by Adam Scorgi. Um, there will be talks from filmmakers about the micro to the micro budget filmmaking, mm-hmm. the telefilm micro budget program. Yeah, yeah. Or sorry, talent to watch program. It's going to be very cool. A lot of uh, a lot of great content over the course of the entire weekend. Yeah, absolutely. So it's happening this weekend, Saturday and Sunday, October 20th and 21st. Uh, the schedule. Uh, can be found online. I think it's only like 50 bucks for students. It's, it's, it's a giveaway price. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. It comes with lunch. Like, fuck, you can't even get lunch really? for no, this. Awesome. So ampio.org slash producer accelerator red deer 2018. Nice. Wow. Nice. Or just click on the link in the show notes. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, do you want to take the CBC roundtables as well? Or, or Sure, yeah. So they're going to be, yeah, CBC's holding roundtables in Alberta in the interest of deepening CBC's exchanges with independent producers. Um, so there will be roundtable sessions on business and rights in Edmonton and Calgary uh, this month. So the Edmonton session is being held next week, Tuesday, October 23rd. And the consultation in Calgary is to follow uh, on the Wednesday, October 24th. Exact times and locations will be released closer to the dates, but I've just realized right now that I'm going going to this oh okay yeah absolutely gonna gonna go to this um this sounds like a no-brainer absolutely Um, you know just even just to get facetime with cbc and just find out what you know what a business relationship looks like with them sure for sure Um, an absolute must um if you want to be making content for the cbc in this country absolutely um i'm just thinking ahead to my recommendation Uh, oh shit so maybe while i talk about this next item you you can think because i because it hit me uh and so speaking of which uh the next item is the ampia uh, general meeting. Um, this happens, of course, every year. And uh, if you're interested in being a you know a part of a uh, a committee or a uh, or, or the board of Ampia, um, they are looking for your help. Um, so uh, this is happening in uh, Edmonton uh, on October 27th from. Uh, two to four p.m. in the Prism Room at Edmonton's Matrix Hotel. So if you're if you're able to uh, make it there, um, you know, and you're a, a member or would like to be a member, you can sign up for your membership there, I believe. Um, and of course, there's also an industry mixer right after the meeting, uh, happening from four to six p.m. So um, I've I've been to an Ampion AGM like years ago. I was at last year's. Oh, were you? Yeah. Okay, cool. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and it, it was it was actually really cool. It and, was really cool. And. Um, 
you know, it's always a good check-in on the Alberta industry as well. And there's a whole slate of uh, uh, new or recurring uh, or returning members to the board. So have your say on that. Uh, And uh, yeah, there's uh, more information on their website, of course, ampia.org. Uh, there's a screening coming up in Calgary this weekend as well. Yes. Um, it's the Calgary premiere of heroic, yes. which is a documentary following the journeys of four inspiring athletes from four diverse sports, specifically speed skating, rock climbing, sitting volleyball and boxing as they embark on new goals and reach for new career heights. Um, I'm going to this. Are you going to this? I really want to. I'm really feeling overloaded. Okay. And well, I'll I told go Nicole, for, I'm going to try. Right. So this is uh, by Nicole Murphy. She's been on the show, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Back she's in the one early of, days. One of the yeah. early ones, yeah. Um, she's kind of a just a bad person. I <laughs> really like her terribly much. But um, it's happening at uh, this Saturday at the 20th. The doors are at 630. The show starts at 7. And this is at the Hunter Hub at the University of Calgary uh, McEwen Student Center. So uh, you can you have to buy tickets beforehand um, and you can do so. They've got a, a Facebook page dedicated to this um, and you can buy it on Eventbrite. Um, and we'll show the, that link to that as well. Um, you know, I guess you should go. <laughs> it's an important subject matter. I'm sure the documentary is fantastic. It's just Nicole, man. I don't know. <laughs> she's great. This is an ongoing inside joke. They love each other. Yeah, um, she's great. But you know what, Scott? Can you take the next one? Because sure. my Wi-Fi is gone. And for some reason, that has also crashed my... Yes, of course. Upcoming workshops and courses. Um, there's a Condor Lamp Op course. Condor, of course, being an aerial lift in the context of uh, film work. Not a bird. Not a bird. You don't no. become a condor. No, it's like this giant, it's it's one of the most amazing tools in the film industry because you can get a lamp up to the height of the sun. Right. I think that's how it works, right? Or the you moon. can go up to the moon and yeah. shine a light down. Yeah. Um, so this will cover, uh, this course covers condor prep, difficult terrain and maneuvering, in-air lamp operation and communication, like uh Lamp is going to like start up the air lamp now. Sky lamp. Sky lamp. I, I should not be teaching this course. And that's why I'm not. Um, but it will be taught um, at William F. White. Um, <laughs> sky lamp. Sky, you, you know, we're, we're activate sky lamp. We're here at Paper Champions, and I and I don't know. I don't know how you got the. Everyone has a uh, wrestling name, and I don't know how you got hacker man i don't either or somebody gave you hacker man i don't hack uh you should be sky lamp sky lamp or, yeah sky lamp um anyway the, the course is going to be outdoors uh you should bring leather gloves your set tool belt and harness if possible the class will run from 8 a.m to 5 p.m uh this saturday uh october 20th um at william f white as i mentioned it's 50 bucks for iac members and 64 iac permits uh you can sign up at the link in the show notes and there is a uh, wonderful uh, workshop happening through Greg Ock, who is uh, the um, you know kind of the go-to guy for guns and and uh, and you know f- you know stunts and stage fighting and 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 gun stuff. Uh, if you're so if your production has uh, weapons, we are rocking it. You this may, yeah. Sorry, I was like, I'm <laughs> struggling through gun things. Uh, I'll just read it. <laughs> Developed and presented by Felcan Enterprises. This one-day course provides an introduction to firearm safety for the entertainment industry. Uh, so it's happening on the 20th, uh, October 20th from, uh, 9 AM until an undefined time with Greg Ock, who again is the, is the man, uh, if you're interested in, uh, getting, uh, guns on your show, he's usually the guy to talk to. So, um, this is something that is happening at IATSE, uh, which is cool because they've got a great, uh, education space there Absolutely. Yeah. and it's $40 and you can check out the link in the show notes for more information. We were, um, absolutely blessed to uh, work with Gail Kennedy on Jones and um, she was kind of the makeup and prosthetic uh, consultant and she 
developed the the look for the wounds that our character um, acquires through the process of the film. He gets kind of more and more beat up. And so um, we chatted with her and, and we got to work with her to develop kind of the, these bumps on his head and this, this broken nose. Um, and she's a wonderful human uh, and such a great ambassador for crew in our industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes gets contentious with producers. Um, so speaking from a producer standpoint, uh, it's great to have someone like that in our industry. Who, Absolutely, for sure. Go toe to toe and fight the fight. She that got needs. that makeup award at the Ampias, and she, you know, she's she's said what she. She's what not she, afraid yeah, to speak her mind as, um, as she should. Yeah, for sure. And yeah. you know, um, sometimes you can have hard conversations with people who are sitting on the other side of the table, and uh, come away friends. And I feel like that's what we did with Gail. Totally, um, and she's to, yeah. she's just excellent at her work. Anyway, she's a, a must meet person and you can meet Gail, um, quite easily because she, uh, runs the set etiquette and protocol workshop, That's right. which is kind of the introductory workshop to the film industry. If you want to get on a union set, this is, uh, at, at entry level positions, this is usually the only requirement, um, is that you've been through this workshop. Um, it's, uh, it's going to start, uh, it's only three hours long. It's happening, um, tonight, uh, the 17th. So we're probably missing it by the time this podcast comes mm-hmm. out, but it happens kind of every month. Yes. Um, so look out for that. Uh, the next time it comes through, it, you can register through IATSE local 212, which is the technical union, um, in Alberta. Uh, and you can find out more in the show notes, um, or just Google IATSE set etiquette and protocol uh, to find out when the next one is coming. Nice. Um, you know, we don't, we don't talk about documentary, uh, enough, and uh, there is a wonderful producing lecture series happening uh, called Producing Documentary, a conversation with Niobe Thompson. Um, this is going to be happening in Edmonton, and uh, it is going to be moderated by Katrina Beatty. Uh, and Niobe is a uh, award-winning uh, documentary filmmaker um, with a recent project called Equus Story of the Horse, which recently aired on CBC. So this is happening uh, October 17th as well tonight. Uh, so I, hopefully you, you have a chance to go and see it. If not, um, uh, the, it, it does say series here, producing lecture series. So there may be more events to, uh, keep an eye on. Um, but, uh, you may just want to check out, uh, or Google producing documentary, a conversation with Niobe Thompson. Uh, it does cost $25 for members. Uh, I, I'm not sure members of what, but perhaps doc Alberta, um, or, uh, another organization. Yeah. Not sure who's putting this on, but check it out on the Google machine. You know who's great? Uh, I'm trying to guess. Story Hive. Story Hive, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They are great. Um, And they're so great. They're so supportive for producers. And they put on amazing workshops that just sound so boring. Yeah. (laughs) They sound so boring, Matt. And this is one. I know. I'm registered. This one that I'm about to talk about. And I will also go and register for. (laughs) And just suck it up all the way through it. But then I will emerge thanking the film gods that I took it. Might sound boring, but it's Might a good sound boring, it's a, but it's a good use of time. It's a good use of time. It's a it's an absolute must if you want to produce. Um, and guess what? If you want to direct um, or if you want to write, uh, chances are you're going to have to produce your own work, uh, unless you can find super strapping young gentlemen like us to produce it for you. <laughs> but we're super expensive. Yeah, totally. Oh yeah, for sure. So um, StoryHive uh, is dedicated to supporting sustainable careers in filmmaking. For producers out there, you know that business affairs which is where I start to turn off my brain, mm-hmm. but don't do it because mm-hmm. it's a huge part of your job. Yep. All that fine print can be time consuming and confusing to wade through. Yes. But StoryHive has partnered with Rachel Ricketts, which is 
dope name that and Lindsay cool. Keel, which is an equally dope name to amazing women and corporate entertainment lawyers to offer a free webinar. Yes. Free. Yes. Webinar. You don't have to go anywhere. You can do this in your underwear uh, and you don't have to pay any money sold on navigating all things legal and business affairs related in the film and TV world. It's called PYP 101. PYP stands for protect your production. 101, a real world view of legal and business affairs at play. So it's all about getting on top of your contracts, licensing, intellectual property. It's a two-part webinar, and it's happening twice. So you can kind of pick the dates that suit you. It's, hap- it's happening in October next week. Part one is October 24th, Wednesday. Part two is October 31st, Wednesday, Halloween, uh, 9.30 to 11 a.m. Uh, and then the other, it's happening again in November, uh, on November 21st and November 28th. Uh, you can register through the link in the show notes. Um, to secure your spot. There are only 60 spots available in each co- in each uh, cohort, in each pair of, of webinars. Registered creators will receive meeting links and course material from Rachel Lindsay via email. Oh, it's going to, it sounds boring, but I bet you they're going to be great. I don't know them, but I'm, yeah, I'm sure and, they're going to. And be from lawyers too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Awesome. So they can be like, usually when you're getting this kind of advice, like I'm not a lawyer, but, right. but these people are lawyers. They are lawyers. Yeah. So eventbrite.ca uh, or just Google it or find the link in the show notes and register and we will see you on the internet. I'll probably do mine in November. When are you going to do yours? I'm, I'm registered for October. Okay, sweet. Yeah. We can share notes. All right, sweet. Uh, I uh, was just in a conversation last night about how film is kind of making a comeback, which I think is interesting and cool and exciting. And so like I'm film, talking about yeah. motion picture film. And if you've ever been interested in uh, shooting a film on film. We did one. Uh, we did. We yeah. did. That's right. Yeah. And it was fun. It was and fun. it's cool. And there's something awesome about the process and the and the sort of ceremony of film. It's, uh, it, it is cool. And the discipline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, and the look, the look still is uh, unique. Uh, you know, I don't know. I guess some people would say it's it's easy to recreate. I don't know if you can actually. I, although, I, I'm although in the camp that if says someone, you can. But. Yeah, if, you're right. If someone if someone put me to the test and was like, was this shot on film or video? I'm sure I would fail. But I would fail it too, for sure. <laughs> so anyway, uh, it is still super cool. And uh, as we mentioned, Phil Letourneau uh, is receiving a wonderful award soon. Uh, he is also the instructor of this uh, and it's happening uh, Sunday, October 28th from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. $150 for members or students and $190 for non-members. Um, deadline to register is October 23rd. Fava, the film collective up in Edmonton, is hosting a intro to lighting workshop. Uh, and this is a free-for-all workshop as in it is free for all eight spots maximum hands-on lighting workshop wait Let- i thought you said for all that's eight free for eight. Oh, free for eight okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah but all eight <laughs> yeah free for all eight uh beginners uh, can explore how to shape and control lighting learn proper care and handling of equipment types of lighting fixtures color temperature and and balance uh three-point lighting grip and lx stuff and more basics and functions of lighting um you should bring a multi-tool if you have one cloth-based gloves, no frill fabric, no gardening gloves, folks, um, and leather gloves. Wear clothes that can get dirty, uh, and this is happening on Sunday, October 28th from 1 to 5 p.m., and it's instructed by Rick Gustafsson. Gustafsson? Gustafsson. I would have said Gustafsson. Gustafsson. I've not met Rick, so I don't know how to say his name. Rick, just let us know. Gustafsson. Gustafsson. Did you ever see the digital Bolex back in 2012? It was a Kickstarter project. It was really cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Digital, yeah. digital sort of camera. Speaking that of perfectly film. replicates the look of film on digital. Or is Sorry. that impossible? <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> well, we don't. <laughs> uh, but it does look like a Super 8 camera, but it is, it's a digital camera, and it's very cool. And it was donated to the CSIF by Media Pop. Um, thanks, guys. So thanks to them. 
and uh, unfortunately, it's a bit challenging to use. Uh, but have no fear. There's, a, a, I believe, a three-day workshop happening uh, Monday, October 29th, Tuesday, October 30th, and Monday, November 5th, um, being instructed by Alex Mitchell. Who better to learn from? He knows this camera inside out. Uh, he has one, and he has all the accoutrements. There's a lot of accessories that go along with it, and because of its shape and size, you need like special XLR cables that have arms or bends and things. He's got a really cool rig, and he's the perfect guy to learn from uh, for this camera. So if you're interested in uh, in attending, uh, again, October 29 and 30 and November 5th from 6 to 8 p.m., 120 for members and students, 160 for non-members, and... Um, I don't see a deadline to apply, but I'm sure it's coming up. So uh, get in there if you are interested. Uh, you're also supposed to bring a laptop with the free version of DaVinci Resolve installed. Cool. And it is a uh, mandatory workshop. I didn't know this. Uh, if you want to rent the digital oh, Bullocks, cool. you do need to take this workshop now. That's good to know. Uh, because it is a pretty complex camera. Okay, what's shooting in Alberta? There's a lot and I'm sad that we didn't get to say to go through this when we <laughs> oh, were yeah, shooting because yeah. usually be like called Jones and, and, shooting. and we're shooting. So yeah. whatever. <laughs> um, there's a feature called spiral that's shooting right now until uh, November. Oh no, it's not. It's shooting next week. Yeah. They push a little bit. They're oh, they push a little 22. Right. Uh, so that's going to November 17th. Uh, and that's by, uh, Kurt Harder and Chris Ball feature film in Calgary. There's paper champions, which is a comedy wrestling web series that's shooting right now. Uh, and we're literally two rooms away from that. I'm sure we're ruining take after take <laughs> um, by talking over top of them. That is a web series, uh, tell us original, uh, that's going until October 25th. Uh, there's a made for TV movie called root of the problem shooting in Calgary right now. And it goes until the end of the month, a uh, web series called realization Inc. That's from Scott Lepp uh, and Sandy Summers. And that's shooting, uh, from November 4th to 8th. So it's just a quick little shoot, um, coming up. And then of course, tenfold, AKA Togo, which is a Disney feature shooting in Calgary. Um, until from like right now until December 13th and then again in January and February. So, um, that's a big, obviously proper movie. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> like yes. a real, that's, like a real movie. I think I thought they go longer than December 13th. I thought they, Oh, oh yeah. They, well, they yeah. break for Christmas basically. Yeah. 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 Yeah, right, yeah, right. yeah. Sorry. I missed that. Um, uh, yeah. So nice. A, I've heard, I've heard that they're crazy about confidentiality. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I was speaking to someone who's working on the set and he was like, there's a lot of paperwork to fill out and the, they asked him to like, they wanted to see his phone to make sure he hadn't taken photos. Whoa, like, yeah, holy. A lot of, a lot of secrecy That's around crazy. this. I worked around this on, feature. I worked on, um, interstellar and I assumed it would be like that. Right. Uh, and, and it wasn't at all. Like they right. said, don't take any pictures. And I saw plenty of crew taking pictures. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. And nobody said anything. Yeah. So yeah, it's like the opposite of Jones and where we're like, please take pictures and share everything. And now I'm like, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot on the internet yeah, that spoils yeah. the movie. Anyway, it's okay. Job calls coming up. Oh my here. god, this is the longest episode. We've I know, ever done. I know. We're almost through. I'll, I'll make this short. It's a it's a job opportunity for a videographer slash video editor at the edge of video production agency, creating high quality, engaging video content. Uh, and you, they need somebody who uh, will you know basically be a producer, editor, uh, all around video maker uh, with some experience, uh, three to five years of full time experience as a videographer, editor, or multimedia specialist. Uh, among some other things. So check out uh, MediaJobSearchCanada.com or the link in the show notes for more information on this job. Oh, that's it. There's only one job. That's the job. Yeah, yeah cool. And of course, all those productions may need extra set of hands. Oh, yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, for yeah. Sure. Nothing wrong with reaching out and saying you're available to help yep. out. Um, okay, what's your recommendation that you spent so long figuring out? I love that uh, Kevin Dory, the writer of Jones and Snuck in uh, for this part of the podcast because... Uh, I am going to recommend a film that is easily my favorite of the year, maybe in my top 10 of all time. 
It's called Bad Times at the El Royale. Kevin likes this movie too? He hates it. Oh. <laughs> he doesn't hate it. <laughs> he gave it a he, three out of five like yeah, every yeah. movie. He didn't love two, it. Two, 2.5 I thought five. this movie was unbelievable. It was an absolute riot. And I could say a lot of things about it. The one thing I will definitely say about it is Jeff Bridges is unreal as usual. Right. But he plays... Uh, a man of uh, you know an elderly man uh, which he, you know he's getting up there too he, i think he's playing a little bit older than than he is but um it just made me nervous about losing him one day oh like, we've only got so many amazing jeff bridges, bridges performances left and i'm already like nervous that you know this is one of the the last i hope it's not um but uh, you know death comes for us all so uh as it Except does me. in bad times at the el royale uh, oh. also hemsworth is unreal in it and who, john which, Hamm, which hemsworth? uh chris chris hemsworth. There, right there are many hemsworths now um so that's that's my recommendation get to that if you can if what's you it can. called bad times at the el royale you haven't heard about this no i haven't no. heard a thing about it right. i dude i don't know anything yeah i know i was that's I, going on right yeah, now well and, and venom i wanted to see that was like coming out right when we wrapped and i was like right. that that'll be i'll go see that when we're done this but i, I haven't gotten to that one yet but uh Britt and i did go to bad times and it was it's so good it actually reminded reminded me a lot of in plain view but better Right. <laughs> not that I'm playing he's bad but it's you know all of these different forces uh coming together and, and in one you know, place and yeah yeah, yeah. cool yeah, that's cool a hotel of course so. um I'm also kind of miffed that Kevin walked in the room for this recommendation part because I was <laughs> going to recommend him um and, you know we don't recommend humans very oh, often but yeah yeah it's kind of weird anyway um there there's there comes a time on every film set where you're just like I need just need someone like competent <laughs> to just do something weird <laughs> Like to go pick Did up something what is or this? no, 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 there's not a specific moment, but you just need, you need that like a fixer mm, on yes, set. Yes. Um, and Kevin was our fixer uh, on Jones and yeah. yes, he's also the writer. Um, so it was great to have him there to just kind of chat story stuff, but, um, he was also our, our cast driver and he was also, um, he would go run errands and just like do like the stupid lame shit that nobody need, wants yeah, to do. You need that person. You, you need that time. person yeah, who's going to go yeah. do that. And, and often it can't be the producer and often it can't be the production manager. Um, and, and Kevin's also an extras wrangler. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and he's, he's an actor and yeah. he's just one of those guys that can just kind of do anything that you need him to do. So, um, there's, we, we've recorded an episode of him, uh, with him of the podcast. I recommend you listen to that episode. And then I recommend you reach out to Kevin, mm-hmm. um, and pick his brain and take him for coffee and, uh, bring him onto your set. Cause I guarantee you, he will save your movie at least once. Totally. totally. Uh, and that right there is worth, worth your time to meet him. So Kevin's the guy. And I just got to kiss on the cheek. <laughs> that was cute. Um, uh, okay. That's it. That's all. All right. Yeah. Yeah. We wow. did it. Whew. Back thank you South. for listening. Thank you for your patience and, and thank you for coming back. Uh, we're, we're so excited to be back. We're so excited. Um, to be nearing the end of the season. Yeah, it's true. We uh, got to cram a lot of episodes in totally. The, uh, yeah. <laughs> because we have some fucking exciting stuff planned for yes. season three that we can't wait to tell you about. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and thanks to Briar, Chad, Britt, and Seth, who always uh, help to make this, uh, this podcast possible. Every yeah, week. absolutely. Um, and if you're a member of the Alberta film community, this podcast is of course for and about you. So if you have any, anything you'd like to share with the community or if we got anything wrong, well, I'm sure we um, did. Yeah. Like, yeah, like Rick, yeah. your last name, yeah. Go Sorry, Rick. Um, or, or whatever. <laughs> I'm sure uh, there's lots. Just let us know. Reach out to us. How can how can people find us, Scott? Well, they can reach out. The best way to contact us personally is hello at abfilmcast.ca. Shoot us an email. It's the best way to um, make sure that you hear back from us and it helps us stay organized. But you can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and SoundCloud. Our username is always abfilmcast. Uh, and of course, you can subscribe to the Alberta Filmmakers Podcast on iTunes. We're working on getting on Spotify. We will be there shortly. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And thank you to all the sponsors again, yes, for, again for our patience. Yeah, um, for sure. Um, we, yeah, it was kind of an unplanned hiatus from the podcast, but and listen to this one last message uh, from our final sponsor of the show. Uh, and uh, after you do, go, go make something. The Alberta Filmmakers Podcast is proudly sponsored by APA, the Alberta Post-Production Association. APA represents technical and creative professionals working behind the scenes in editing, sound, and visual effects. Our members live here in Alberta and support producers with expertise in picture editing, color grading, graphic design, compositing, audio post, music scoring, and so much more. For more information about post-production, visit APA online at albertapost.org.